In this podcast series presented by Boss, we journey into the lives of inspiring creators, artists, and athletes, unearthing the pivotal moments that shape them into the unique bosses and leaders that they are today. Join us as we go behind the boss. In this episode, we meet Kathy Hackle, a metaverse industry expert and tech futurist. Hackle has spent time researching and developing her understanding of the digital world. She has now started her own company and offers innovative strategies to brands to help them enter this weird and wonderful space. From NFTs and VR to AR wearables and the metaverse, we find out how Hackle stepped foot into this realm and what she predicts for the future. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to be here. Me too. Uh, how are you, first of all? I'm doing great. Okay, good. Yeah. Can you explain what NFTs and the metaverse are in layman's terms for people like me who don't know anything about them? <laughs> so, yes. Yes. L- l- let's start with this. I'll take you to the past okay. and I can take you to the future. Okay. All right. So let's, let's do that. Yeah. So Web 1.0, mm-hmm. connected information, mm-hmm. they gave us the internet. Right? Changed a lot of things for a lot of us. True. Right? Then that evolved into Web 2.0, mm-hmm. which connected people. And that gave us social media, which mm. changed a lot of things for us, right? Yeah. But also gave us the sharing economy and e-commerce and a lot of things. In mm-hmm. right now, in this moment, mm. we are in this evolution of Web 2.0 going into Web 3.0, mm-hmm. which connects people, places, and things, mm-hmm. or people, spaces, and assets. Mm-hmm. And those can sometimes be fully virtual, like a virtual dress, yeah. right? Uh, but sometimes they'll be, you know, in the physical world as well with some level of augmentation. Yeah. So in this Web 3.0 era mm. that we're going into, we start to build what's called the metaverse. Mm. Right. And that's kind of like the successor state to today's mobile Internet. OK. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Simples. Simple. Let's keep it simple. <laughs> uh, what, what, what is it about the metaverse that fascinates you so much? I just, I look at this moment in history, right, Mm. as an an inflection point. I am a tech futurist, so Mm. I look at, like, what does the world look like in the next 100 years, Mm. right? And I'm like, wow, maybe I'll be alive, maybe not. Who knows, right? Who knows where things are going to be? But I start to think about what is happening right now. It's like this this century of exploration Mm -hmm. and expansion once again, right? So we're looking at outer space, for example. Uh, We're looking of going further into our brains and our intelligence or artificial intelligence. Mm. And then there's also this happening with like virtual spaces, right? This exploration of who are we when we seamlessly blend virtual and and, and physical. So I'm, I'm fascinated by the anthropological implications Mm. of the next phase of the internet. Tell me a little bit about how you got here. It's been a wild ride. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say a lot of coincidences and a lot of aha moments. Yeah. So the way I tell people the story, I have to go back to 2004, if you can believe it. One of my favorite years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was working at CNN. Yeah. And part of my job there was one of my first jobs was to look at all the raw footage that was coming in from the war in Iraq. Mm. So, you know, I had to sit through some pretty horrible stuff. Yeah. So I always jokingly say that I was a YouTube moderator or a Facebook moderator before they existed, yeah. right? Because that wasn't around. Yeah. So, you know, when you have that type of job, you had to kind of, the only way I can describe it is turn your humanity switch off just yeah. a little bit or turn the dial, mm-hmm. right? Just, just to have a life and get by. Yeah. And it wasn't until about eight or nine years ago, approximately, I got invited to a conference. I put on a virtual reality headset mm-hmm. for the first time. 
And I went into an experience called confinement that puts you in a virtual reality solitary confinement cell. I've been in that. Oh, uh-huh. so you know, you know yeah. the, the feeling. You're yeah. just transported into a place that you never really want to be in, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And I went in there, and I, I the only way I can describe it is this: I felt like that switch, that dial, got mm. fully turned back on. Yeah, that's the only way I can describe it. I took the headset off and I said, "This is the future of something, of mm. storytelling, or, or whatever." And this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm. And it was very clear to me that moment. I did a very hard pivot <laughs> into mm. VR and AR. And I remember people reaching out like, you're crazy. What is this VR thing you're doing? Yeah. It was just one of those moments of clarity, of surprise, right? Where I knew this is the path. This is the rocket I'm getting on. Mm. That's kind of how I say it. I love that you just had this like yeah. piercing certainty. That doesn't happen all the time to no. people. Okay, just so you know, I'm very unsure about all things in my life. <laughs> but I just love that you were immersed, came out, and you're like, yeah. but I want to stay immersed. Yeah. Who gave you good advice along the way? Can you think of anyone and what the advice was? I've gotten a lot of great advice. Mm. Um, I would say there's two people that, that I would say really stand out. Um, I think... Both my parents, mm-hmm. um, I have a brother, and they did not raise me differently because mm-hmm. I was a girl. Mm-hmm. Like, it was never a thing at the house. Like, oh, you can't do this, right, because mm-hmm. you're a girl. Or it was never never like that. So I always, I always grew up like, you can do anything, mm-hmm. right? You can accomplish whatever. You work hard. You do it. You put your mind to it. Both my brother and myself, you know, have excelled and everything. So I think them always, like, just, just approaching it from that perspective. Yeah. I think that impacted me. And I would say uh, there's also a former boss of mine called Sandy Carter. She said something once. She said, if you can see it, you can be it. Mm. I said, that's it. I I recognized something at that moment. I said, this is part of my mission. Mm. I am a woman in technology. Mm. (laughs) I am a Latina in technology. Mm -hmm. And it can be hard, right? It can be hard. And I said, wow, if I can build a career and continue to succeed, and be that person that a lot of those young girls need to see mm. or young, you know, people of color see. Like, I want to be that. Like, yeah. I want to be that inspiration because I want them to know they're welcome to build this future. Like, they're part of this future. So, mm. Let's come back to your uh, <laughs> trials and tribulations of being a woman. Um, who and what were your kind of biggest inspirations? You know, I... A lot of people have cycled throughout my life, mm. and it, it's changed and, and, and flowed, right? Because I feel that I've had many careers, right? I was in journalism, then yeah. I did live video, did VR, now I'm in metaverse. And there's just been a lot of people that come in and out of my life that have inspired me. But I would say I have currently, I would say I have two North Stars, mm. right? So two people that I'm looking towards. It's not that I want to be them, mm. but I look at them as examples. Yeah. And I say, I want to I want to accomplish something similar or I want to get to where they are. And it's Amy Webb. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a futurist, mm-hmm. very well known. I have the pleasure of actually have been in many, many phone calls with her and yeah. and everything. Um, but I look at her. I look at, you know, how she approaches business and and everything and, and her, I don't know, her her body of work. Let's yeah. call it that. Yeah. I said, she's one of my North Stars. And then the other one is Kara Swisher, a journalist, a tech journalist. And I love her work. I love her attitude. Mm. I love that she is unapologetically herself, mm. right? And I aspire to be that myself mm. as well. And I look at her and I'm like, yeah, I just, I want to be that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And before you put on that headset, before you went into confinement, yeah. did you have any experience in tech and VR and gaming? 
so I had experience in live video. Mm. Like the live video is like that is like around the time where like Meerkat and Periscope, which was live mm-hmm. video, like early day. Meerkat. Yeah. That's thrown me back in time. <laughs> Rest in peace, Meerkat. Yeah, I but feel yes. like I'm back in my skinny jeans. <laughs> What's going on? So, yeah. It was luck. Yeah. Once again, that was one of those moments. I had just gotten back from um, speaking in Singapore. Mm. And I was, you know, I was jet lagged. I was yeah. super jet lagged. Yeah. And I got on, on Twitter and I think it was like South by Southwest. Someone was tweeting. They're like, oh, check this out. Meerkat is out. Or, mm. And I saw them, but they were one of the first people. And then I got on it and like it just took off from there. Like yeah. I was doing live video. I started to get connected with Twitter and Facebook because everyone wanted to do live video. And mm. that's kind of how I first started going to Silicon Valley and, and started to get connected in the tech space. Yeah. yeah. How do you cope with the pressures of your job? I, I practice a lot of acceptance, mm-hmm. like accepting that something didn't go right. Yeah. Like accepting a flight was canceled. Or, yeah. you know, you can be angry, but you just accept and yeah. it kind of loses its, you know, the anger kind of goes away. You know, I try to make space for family time. I try to make space for myself. Mm. That's really important. You can get lost, right? And, and especially if you have a, a very demanding tech job, you can get lost. I'm very lucky, I guess, because I can take on the on the jobs that I enjoy, like mm. the projects. So I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm having a lot of fun. So I've made room for saying, you know, sometimes I have to say no to projects and it's okay. Yeah. Right. I don't have to do everything. So that's been one of the things. And just, you know, taking care of myself. Mm. Um, that's that's one of the hardest things, I think, when you're on the road and, and there's so many demands. But um, but yeah, I think those, those are some of the things I'm doing. Are you able mm. to make a clear distinction between like work and not on and off, <laughs> work and not work? I love what I do. Yeah. And I guess when you when you love what you do, it's there's this line, you know, I consume information and mm. I, I share information. I, I really love what I do. What I will say is that the moments where it gets really personal, mm. because I share a lot on, you know, on social media and, and I'm kind of like a public facing person, mm. is sometimes, you know, you'll get you'll get the haters. Mm-hmm. You'll get the people attacking you. And and what I've what I've come to realize, and I, and this became very clear a few days ago, I said, I said to myself, if I, Kathy Hackle, need to take a few virtual bullets, that's what mm-hmm. I'm calling them, mm-hmm. in order for other women behind me to feel like they're empowered mm-hmm. and they can come out and pat themselves on the back and talk about their accomplishments, it's okay. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take those virtual bullets right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, there's something about having yeah. a public-facing job. If you lean out more, people can only be of something they see less of. They see less of the thing they can be. Mm-hmm. It's tough, though, to take those bullets. Yeah. What um, obstacle or moment taught you something on your journey? In my career, mm. I got to the company that I always aspired to go into. It's called Magic Leap. Mm. Very secretive company. Had an amazing product. You know, I went to work for them when I thought they were going to be the next Apple. Mm. Like, that's how excited tech was yeah. about them. Yeah. You know, when I, when I got the call, I was like, oh, my gosh, I made it. Yeah. This is my moment. So I, I went to work for them for almost two years. Mm-hmm. Best best job I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Worked with, I mean, the most brilliant people. It was just walking around the halls. You could feel something amazing was happening. Yeah. Right? And you don't get that all the time. And sadly, during the pandemic, they laid off half of the employees. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. Right? In my in my mind, I was so committed to the company. I feel like I got married yeah. to the company. Yeah. 
And then when they lay you off, I had never experienced that. Mm. And to me, it was like a divorce I didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm. They were like, okay, bye. Um, so it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, I, I had to mourn that job. I was like, what do I do now? Like, I was, my identity was so tied to what I was doing there. Yeah. In that moment, I started to think about, like, what do I do with my career? What do I do with my with my job and, and everything? And I, you know, I applied for some tech jobs mm. and eventually ended up at Amazon. And learned a lot, but I realized that I could do more, mm. that I could really kind of build something myself and, and be and be a boss, you know, boss lady. Yeah. And I think that that experience of having to go through that, you know, layoff, mm. right, and having to mourn that job that I had tied my identity to mm. really taught me resilience mm. and in some ways taught me like, you know, you can do anything you want now and you can take everything that you learned there. And build your career on it. Yeah. And I took everything because when I was there, I mean, I was talking to executives about the metaverse. Mm. You know, that's many years ago. Mm. And, you know, at that point, they didn't really care. They were like, oh, what's that sci-fi thing? You know, go past that slide. Yeah. Um, But I was like, wow, I learned so much. And when I was at Amazon, I feel like I got an MBA when I was there, to be honest. Yeah, okay, good. Woof. Um, (laughs) But it got to a point where I had so many people and companies and brands saying, we need you to work for us and help us figure out this metaverse thing. So I made a decision and I said, okay, I'm going to leave possibly the safest place you yeah. can be during a pandemic because yeah. Amazon is not going anywhere, at least not for a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I launched off on my own mm. and I said, I'm going to do this. If it doesn't go well, I can always go back. Yeah. But if it goes really well, which it has, I can just continue to build and, and, and build my own company. Yeah. So. It's incredible that you had that moment. Um, of failure and that led such invention for you. Yeah. It was failure and doubt, right? Mm. A lot of doubt. But then on the other side of it, you're like, but the survival of it is the, is the blessing. Yeah. Do you find this industry to be more male dominated? (laughs) Uh, But if you do find it more male dominated, is there something we can do to correct that? So, you know how I mentioned that my parents raised me, like, equally with my brother? Mm. Like, it was never an issue. Yeah. It wasn't until I got into tech, fully into tech, Mm. that I said, wow, (laughs) I got to do two or three times the work that my my, uh, male counterparts are doing Mm. to get acknowledged. Mm. And that was hard. That was hard to kind of like, oh, wow, there is this, this world and it is different. Yeah. So I struggled with it. I struggled with it, but I eventually started to find my own voice. Mm. And I think that was part of one of the things I found my own voice. And I started to notice that, you know, especially my white male counterparts would always talk about their successes Mm. and would pat themselves on the back and would share all this stuff. Mm. And I grabbed a page from their book. I said, what if I do this? Mm. What if I do the same? Right. And I did. And I did. And, you know, and so it's funny when someone criticizes me and says you're over promotional or whatever. I'm like, look, I'm not doing anything different than what my white male counterparts are doing. Yeah, I read a thing about um, men and women going for reading Mm -hmm. job descriptions and men look at the thing, see the things they can do and women see the things they can't do. Yeah, That's just a different energy walking into the room. But here you are talking about the things you can do. (laughs) I mean, what advice do you have for women who want to enter into tech? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess my advice to them is they're welcome. Mm-hmm. Like I always say, like, in the metaverse, we're all world builders. Yeah. And now is our time to build. Mm. And it's an opportunity for everyone to build, like, yeah. whoever you are. 
that's part of what I what I, I preach really when I'm out there and I'm talking to folks. It's like you're welcome. This is I want you to be part of of the future. I want you to have a seat at the table. Yeah. Like that's important. The more people from different backgrounds and different opinions and different, you know, ge- geographies are at the table, the yeah. better it's going to be. Yeah. And then I tell women, you know, Use your voice. Mm. Use your voice and pat yourself on the back. Celebrate your wins. There's nothing wrong with celebrating your wins. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit more about your company, Futures Mm. Intelligence Group? I know you started it in the pandemic. Yeah. What was your aim? I didn't even know. I just said someone needs what I'm doing and I'm going to do it. There's a pain point. People want me to help them. I just said, okay, well, I'm going to start with strategy because that's what I'm really good at. Mm. And I started advising, you know, a lot of brands on, on, on how to enter the metaverse or, mm. you know, or how to co-create an NFT strategy, for yeah. example. And I started yeah. doing that. And, and I'll tell you something really interesting that happened. So along the way, my company is just booming. It's growing. Mm. I didn't go to bed with this, like, question of, like, am I going to make money? Mm. I went to bed, like, how do I scale this? Yeah. This is growing way too fast and I am capable yeah. of managing so I started to have conversations with a person that was putting up, was creating a new agency of the future. Mm. Let's call it that. Mm. Started talking to them and I said, there's something here. Um, the company's called Journey. And I felt that there was there was something there for me. Mm. Um, it was, you know, acquiring a company in voice, acquiring an architecture design company. Mm. Uh, they were looking at me for metaverse strategy. They were looking at like a gaming studio. And I started talking to them and eventually... And this is just, this blows my mind of how fast this is moving. Yeah. So the company was started February in earnest, February 2021. Mm-hmm. I sold my company <laughs> to Journey December 30th, 2021. 10 my. months. 10 months and fast. I got acquired. That is fast. Yeah. Hey ho, well, let's go. So yeah, so in, this is this is how I said, in 10 months, I sold my company for seven figures. And as a woman entrepreneur, yeah. I'm going to celebrate that. Well, I would do an applaud, but I feel like it's just the two of us. Me clapping is a bit odd. <laughs> what a single round of applause. But phenomenal and fast and accurate. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, this is a spicy question. Do you Ooh. think that the hype around NFTs and the metaverse will fizzle out? Or is it truly the future for us? There is hype. You know, there's overhype. Mm. I'll be the first one to tell you that. Mm. There is overhype. NFTs mean there is a bubble. Mm. I do believe there will be a market correction at some point. It yeah. cannot keep going at the speed it's going mm. with the amount of projects. Like, not everything is going to hold its value. Yeah. But what I think is the important part is, whether we call it metaverse or not, mm. right, what I am preparing for is the future of the internet. Mm. Period. So whether we call it metaverse or not, I mean, who knows? In, in 10 years, are we going to call it the metaverse? Probably not, right? You should give it a new name. (laughs) Oh, goodness, no. (laughs) Okay, not today, but yeah. But but I would say, yeah, I mean, there there is hype and there there probably will be a market correction. I'm, I'm, I'm realistic about that. Yeah. But I think my job is to prepare companies and brands for, for what comes next. Yeah. So it is the future. I just don't know what it's called. Mm. Oh, that's exciting though. (laughs) So is there anything about the metaverse that, scares you what should we be wary of i feel like there are certain visions of the metaverse that i might not want to see happen Mm. you know a lot of the sci-fi that Mm. you read about the metaverse tends to be pretty dystopic yeah that's not what i want Mm. right um people always talk about ready player one and the oasis Mm -hmm. as an example like 
why would we want that? Yeah. In that case, the physical world is so horrible that you go into a VR headset. To me, the physical world is part of the metaverse. It just hasn't been enabled. Mm. And it's going to take a while for that to happen. It's going to take a while to build the metaverse in general. Um, but I do worry. I do worry, you know, the, the vision we might be creating. I think there, there will need to be a balance. And, yeah, you know, there's a question of access. Mm. You know, I hope that more people are going to have access. Yeah. To, you know, to, to better phones and to hardware and eventually glasses or, or whatever we do. Mm. So that's concerning to me. From the avatar perspective, there's two things I think about. The positive, mm. which is, wow, we can explore all these identities, right? I'm pretty short. Um, but in the metaverse, I can be six feet tall. <laughs> in the metaverse, we're all the same height. Yeah, right? So I can be whoever I want to be. Maybe sometimes I want to be a unicorn or, you yeah, know, yeah. can have ponytails on fire. Whatever it is I want to mm-hmm. do, I can do it in that space. So there's a part of that of like, what if if you're someone that wants to test out a different identity in a safe place, you might be able to do it in a virtual space yeah. without the judgment of the physical world. Mm. So that's one thing on the positive side, right? But on the other side, what if we get so incredibly tied to our virtual identities mm. that we forget about our physical identity, right? Because yeah. they're all going to be it's, – it's, it's a really interesting anthropological question yeah. when you merge the two, Yeah. right? So I, I, I worry about that. I think we need to be realistic. I worry about, in some ways, a future where we might have glasses and if divisions as they are continue and you have the power to erase – the things mm. or the people you don't like. Mm. It's called diminished reality. Like that in itself, that changes your world vision. That changes yeah. who you relate to. That changes a lot of stuff, right? Mm. If I can use my glasses and erase whoever I don't like mm. or what I don't like, mm. you know, that has potentially very negative impacts. You're sort of creating your own mm-hmm. utopia, which is on a broader stroke, a dystopia. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Mm. So. So a lot to think about there from a <laughs> yeah. from a societal perspective. Yeah, is there any way to safeguard against these things? I think you know we need to have those these types of conversations yeah. on what could go wrong. Yes, we need to have them now. Yeah, so that things don't happen the way they have been happening. Yeah, um, and I'm sure there's going to be things that pop up that we never thought right yeah, would, would happen. But I think about having those com- those very uncomfortable conversations right now. Mm. You know, I live in the U.S. I live in D.C. Mm. And one of the things I try to do is volunteer my time to go to Capitol Hill and educate lawmakers yeah. on, on these technologies. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they need to understand what is the shift, you know, the shift course, that's happening. What they're dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> they so, have to know what they're dealing with yeah. in order to legislate correctly. What do you think some of the positive um, opportunities and experiences will come out of it? for society so when i look at web one and web two right mm-hmm. i feel like the adult entertainment industry really led innovation right mm-hmm. at that point <laughs> uh, yeah but with web three mm. fashion mm. fashion is leading this is yeah. mind-blowing to me like the innovation is coming from the brands yeah. that are doing amazing things in fashion yeah and i think that 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 in itself is a signal mm. right to me of Wow, maybe we're moving to a different time. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I think it is a little bit of a different moment. Mm. You know, the opportunities are are just so vast. Yeah. So so vast from new careers. You know, like I do a lot of work around um, like holograms and volumetric mm. video, mm-hmm. and like you have to style a hologram. 
Yeah. Like hologram stylist <laughs> is a career. It's a job. I know what so. I'll be doing in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I'm a do hologram it. Stylist. <laughs> That's fun. What do you think is other kind of mm. personality traits mm. that have got you here today? <laughs> <laughs> With me specifically. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm outspoken. Mm. I'm not scared to say what I believe and what I think. Mm. Uh, I'm resilient. Um, and, you know, and I like to have fun as well. And I don't know. Uh, I also think creativity yeah. is a big part of it. Like, just the imagination. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I was always as a little girl, I always had this crazy imagination. And I, I noticed, like, the path that I took mm. and the things I get to do now with, with the companies I work with. Mm. is it's envisioning new worlds, right? It's envisioning, you know, what is going to happen with the company when we have augmented reality glasses. Yeah. Like, just things like that. And then the fashion space. Yeah. Like, I've always been a big fashion, like, enthusiast, right? Mm. Um, did a little bit of work here and there with some brands, but it wasn't until I fully entered the space that mm. it became truly my job and my passion. Yeah. And you know, and I'll give you an example. Like, I got asked to be the chairwoman for uh, Metaverse Fashion Week. Mm. How does that work? <laughs> um, so it is going to ha- be happening in the Centraland, which is a mm-hmm. virtual world. Cent- uh, Centraland. Decentraland. Decentraland. So it's a decentralized land. Uh-huh. A decentralized world. Um, <laughs> it's a space where people buy virtual real estate. Yeah. So that's yeah. another conversation. Okay. <laughs> um, but there's going to be shops. There's going to be uh, opportunities for people to buy Get this, for people to go into a virtual space and buy a virtual item that then gets delivered to their house in physical form. Amazing. So, you know, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And just lots of virtual fashion. So virtual fashion, you know, dressing up your avatar. Yeah. I did a lot of exploration around um, the term direct to avatar. Mm -hmm. So I said, is direct to avatar the next direct to consumer? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that was with Brian Gill, um, who, who I did some work with around that exploration. But... Yeah, I, I'm I'm really interested in in you know in seeing what happens in these virtual spaces. Yeah, right. Um, I always use the example of my son. So, and I say this to every executive I talk to: mm. say, just because it happens in the virtual space doesn't make it less real. Mm. Right. So you and I probably you know when you went to your first concert, you went to a stadium. Yeah, I'm guessing right. Yeah, my son's first concert was Little Nas X in Roblox. Wow. And he says I was there, or I did this, or I saw. Yeah. And he, it's real. It's a memory to him. It's a real moment. Yeah. yeah right? No, so, it's cool. I've yeah. got chills. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. We have a generation who are not differentiating what their memories are between it. I went, I left the mm-hmm. house or not. Yeah. Interesting. And, and it's, it's part of their identity. Mm-hmm. Like, which, you know, fashion, culture, identity, they're all tied together. Mm-hmm. And you see it in these virtual spaces, you know, it's really exciting to see, like, my son or my daughter spend a lot of time figuring out what what their avatar is going to wear. Yeah. Like, in the physical world, I, I don't see them spending that much time thinking about what they're wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even in that in that sense, and I, I look at fashion, right, in Metaverse Fashion Week, and I truly believe, you know, the world's next designers, right, are probably going to be, you know, children that today yeah. are designing inside Roblox or Fortnite or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So, yeah. For your avatar... Yeah. That's something you create in a virtual space. Mm-hmm. For a hologram, where do you see the hologram? In real life? Yeah. Projected into a real space. Well, you're going to see it in game. Like yeah. you're going to project it inside, you know, yeah. Fortnite or wherever you want to go. Yeah. But also see it, you know, when we have the glasses. Yeah, I'm going to call it. Like we'll probably be doing this. One of us might be a hologram. Yeah. What if so. I'm a hologram? 
Yeah. Right now, and I just yeah. start laughing Ooh. and disappear. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like because my understanding of hologram is like when they. Mm. There was the amazing Holocaust one where they had a man yeah. who survived the Holocaust and he had programmed to answer like 4,000 questions yeah. from kids. So I understand that one. And then I saw Freddie Mercury yeah. singing. So I knew what that was. Yeah. <laughs> so volumetric video, that's yeah. really the term because there's no light field, yeah. um, is a big thing. Like some of the work I do is around historical preservation. Mm. So the same concept of the Holocaust survivors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but looking a little bit broader. Yeah. For example, like there was a, a moment, I live in D.C., mm-hmm. and one of the moments during the pandemic, we were like, why don't we try to do a, a volumetric capture of Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Oh, yeah. RBG, right? Yeah. Obviously, she passed away. We, we didn't get to do that. Yeah. So sometimes it is kind of a, you know, a race against time. Yeah. But for me, it's like, how do we preserve the stories of today yeah. for the future generations? Yeah. They, how do we time capsule yeah. W- yeah. now? And you got to do it mm. now because you don't know how they're going to consume content in the future. Yeah. So, yeah, there's – and then I see also the opportunity of, like, having these stories. Like, what if I'm walking around, you know, uh, London or I'm walking around Vienna and I can see these real stories, right? Yeah. So that so that those things – especially, like, the bad stuff, so it doesn't get repeated, mm, right? Yeah. Yeah, because there's so many doubters. Like, and, uh, bad things happen. And yeah. We need to learn from those. Yeah. There was another, another person that we wanted to scan, which was the last surviving uh, – child of an actual slave mm. here in the u.s mm-hmm. i think it was his dad uh was a one of the last uh yeah. he was the, he's the last child known yeah. to be born of a slave and you know things like that projects like that i think yeah. have such cultural meaning beyond beyond you know beyond the fun and and yeah. stuff like there's things that you can do to to yeah and in the same way that you're reading a first yeah. canned account of someone with their quill on the Marie mm-hmm. Celeste. <laughs> You're listening to the yeah. son of a slave. So, That's it's the way that we, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. How do you think you got to where you are today? A lot of people helped me. Mm. A lot of female leaders, a lot of allies. Mm. I think we need more allies. Mm-hmm. Also luck. Mm. I mean, it has to be in there, I think so. And just that intuition, I think, of what I say always, like, I recognized a rocket when I saw one. Yeah. That intuition and, and yeah, I mean, community as well. I think, I, you know, the people that I surround myself with yeah, um, support me, love me, want me to do better. They call me out yeah. when I need to be called out. Um, but, yeah, I think community has been part of it and, and just luck. And this is how I see it. All the women that came before me blazed the trail. It was hard. Yeah. It was very hard. Yeah. They blazed the trail for a reason so I could have these opportunities. Yeah. And now I want to blaze the trail so more women and more, you know, more BIPOC people have those opportunities as well. So I don't know. I just, I love what I do. I really do. Yeah. It's just fantastic to have such vocation. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. As a Metaverse layman, I have learned masses about my newly awakening virtual reality (laughs) Uh, thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure it has been amazing i have had a blast too and i hope to see you in the metaverse see you in the metaverse (laughs) thank you for listening to behind the boss with your host that's me raven smith If you want to find out more about what it takes to be a boss and the stories behind the inspirational figures of today, make sure to tune in. 